You're listening to New England Public Media News. I'm Adam Frenier, and this is the shortlist NEPM's Week in Review. Joining us today on the line, veteran Western Mass journalist Dave Eisenstatter and Tammy Daniels, executive editor with iBerkshires.com. Dave, Tammy, thanks for being with us today. Thanks. Thanks for asking us. This week, the Roderick Ireland Courthouse in Springfield reopened after it had been shuttered for two weeks to deal with a mold problem. Court officials say they did extensive cleanup and testing, but Sheriff Nick Kochi runs the Hanman County Jail and says he believes the courthouse isn't safe. Kochi is refusing to send people under his department's custody there. I'm not going to roll the dice. Look, if I put him in there, I'm going to have advocacy groups breathing down my neck saying I don't care about the population. If I don't put him in there, I got people saying, hey, what are you doing? You're hindering the court process. Can't win, but we got to do what's right. And Hamden District Attorney Anthony Galuni says he's not sending staff back to the courthouse except to make appearances at court proceedings. Dave, given the level of concern that's surrounded this facility for years, are you surprised the trial court hasn't taken more action at the courthouse? To remediate the mold? Yes, I am very surprised. This seems to be a years-long neglect that has led to this situation now. And I absolutely don't blame officials for refusing to use the building or have a prison population or jail population housed there, especially some of the worst mold being in the holding cells. I think that's probably the right call. I do hope that the the county can keep up with its duty to provide timely court dates for people, but definitely not at the risk of putting people's health at risk. Tammy, do you think mounting pressure from people like Galuni, Kochi, and area lawmakers will finally get this building replaced which many are calling for. Well, I, I think this incident points up two things. Number one, the, the infrastructure problems we have in the state. It's not just limited to bridges and roads, which we can actually see. You know, Obviously, it's showing up in our buildings as well. And secondly, it, it highlights the dramatic actions that have to take place before it is state officials really do something for it. Now, I happen to be sitting in Bennington, Vermont at the moment, And the Bennington State Complex had to be closed for five years and completely rehabilitated and rebuilt because of respiratory issues that caused people to get sick. But again, it took years of people complaining before something happened. And I don't blame these people who work in this building for really putting pressure to make something happen. Also this week, Springfield Mayor Dominic Sarno announced the city will be implementing an indoor mask mandate amid rising COVID-19 cases. Hamden County continues to lag behind the rest of the state in vaccinations. The order starts next week and runs through November 1st. Sarno says he hopes the mask mandate will encourage people to get the shots. If things get better, vaccination rates go up, COVID cases go down, and again, the majority of those COVID cases are the unvaccinated ones, we can look to rescind this. Springfield is joining a growing list of communities with mask mandates or advisories. Tammy, what about this idea of trying to dangle removing the mandate if more people get vaccinated? I don't I don't really see that forcing people to get vaccinated by using these masking mandates. I, I mean, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think people in, in, in my coverage area would be ahead on this, and they really haven't been. I personally just don't see that happen. Dave, is it realistic to think a mandate could be eased in about six weeks in Springfield with colder weather pushing more activities indoors? I mean, I think the whole idea of uh, an end date to a a specific end date to a mass mandate is kind of silly. We have no idea that this virus has tricked us again and again. Uh, There have been surges. There have been ebbs and flows, probably some kind of a political move. 
you know, you might win political points if you can say, oh, it's just for a little while or, or yes, we can rescind it. Um, but, uh, you, you know, we never really know what's going on with this virus. People should get vaccinated. People should wear masks indoors anyway. Moving along, some communities in Western Mass are getting ready for preliminary elections for mayor in the next few weeks. In North Adams, for the first time in the city's history, all four candidates are women. Tammy, what have people in Berkshire County's second largest community been saying about this field of candidates? I think these candidates are being uh, really welcomed. And you, you hate to say that here we are going to have, for, for sure, we're going to have the first woman mayor of North Adams in its 126-year history. You know, and here we are, we're part of the birthplace of Susan B. Anthony, and it's taken this long. So I think there are good candidates, and I really think people are seeing them as good candidates, not specifically as being women candidates, but also being really open to the idea that we're finally going to have a woman mayor in the city of North Adams. Dave, what's taking place in North Adams sort of mirrors what's taking place in Boston, where all of the prominent mayoral candidates are women. And in Northampton, the top two fundraisers in the race there are also women. What do you think about this trend? Having, you know, women leaders step up, really anybody, but especially women step up, it, I think it's a difficult time to be an elected official right now um, with COVID, with all the controversy around things like mask mandates that we just talked about. I agree that this took way too long in the city of North Adams, but I think it's a great um, historic moment that we're about to observe. Um, and I and I appreciate leaders and especially women leaders uh, stepping up during this difficult time. Finally, tomorrow marks 20 years since the 9-11 attacks. Dave, as you look back at the last two decades since this took place, do you have any thoughts or reflections? I was a college freshman when 9-11 happened, and now I've lived more of my life since 9-11 than before it. Um, it was a really awful moment and it did awful things to our country. Uh, we had, you know, and still have uh, anti-Muslim racism on an institutional level, ebbing away of freedoms to make way for security or just sometimes just the illusion of security, documented cases of, of uh, torture and the start and now, you know, finally sort of conclusion to two disastrous foreign wars you know, 9-11, uh, you know, was a, it was a horrific thing. Um, the things in history are, are, are not always happy or positive, but it is important to remember them and to hopefully learn from them. Tammy? Well, I have to echo a lot of what Dave said. Uh, in the past 20 years, we had this visceral reaction on 9-11, and I think some really poor decisions were made following that. We're finally seeing the end of a a 20-year war that didn't seem to really do anything either to keep us safe or to help the people in the countries that we were in. And reflecting back, it doesn't feel like we were able to do anything from that moment that really helped us in terms of safety or security or spreading of democracy. So it feels very downbeat on this 20th anniversary. Tammy Daniels with iBerkshires.com and veteran Western Mass journalist Dave Eisenstatter, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the shortlist NEPM's Week in Review. You can catch us at any time wherever you get your podcasts or at nepm.org slash podcast hub. I'm Adam Franier, and this is New England Public Media.